0: The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to have you all along here. And I know that we've been meeting far uh, too infrequently, but we're going to be changing that. I, I was talking in chat just a moment ago with one of our regulars. You know him as Fitty. He uh, you know, said, what, are you working on the other show? And, of course, we are working on the other show a lot. We're doing a lot with the other show. I have to admit that. However, there are some other projects in the works as well. Uh, some of them are going to be really, really exciting when they uh, get to a point where actually we can actually talk about them. And uh, some of them may not be very exciting, to be honest. But the beautiful thing is that we have a lot of things in the works. And Britt and I are working on a couple of different projects together and uh, who knows we'll see what comes out of all of this but i appreciate you being here tonight and again i apologize for these uh these shows being a little bit infrequent these days but we will be picking them up so with, welcome to everybody who's here tonight and thank you for being in the chat room if you're not sure where the chat room is you can go to our youtube channel it's just uh, jv johnson on youtube very easy to find and when you do find it please subscribe also welcome to our twitch viewers we appreciate you tagging along with us here as well And please uh, follow on Twitch or subscribe if you can. There's a fee for Twitch subscriptions unless you use your Amazon Prime account. If you link it to the Amazon Prime account, you then don't have to pay the subscription fee, which is kind of cool, but you have to redo that each month. It doesn't automatically carry over. You have to go in each month and set that up. So if you've done it in the past and you haven't done it recently, please stop by the Twitch channel and do that for us as well. Because as these projects develop, we never know which channel we are going to be on when we begin uh, the project. So some are good for YouTube. Some are good for Twitch. Some are good for some other places. And the other thing I will say is, as most of you who follow the political show, the uh, you, you know that we have a, 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 a man I'm, uh, blanking out Roku channel for the political show. Well, we also have one for this program now. It's... Uh, it's easy to find i'm trying to remember i think i think it's the same name as the show i think it's beyond reality paranormal so if you go to roku and you search for beyond reality paranormal there's a you know a channel icon that you can install into your roku device or your roku television and then it becomes available for you of course it's not live there but it is available for replay and some people find that convenient and i i'm not even sure i mean we we did these channels on roku just a couple of weeks ago We haven't done any promotion other than talking about them on the programs themselves. But we're getting hundreds of views there, so it's kind of interesting, and I I need to learn more about this so I have a better understanding of how all of that works. Because if, in fact, we're introducing the programs to new folks, the people that haven't been aware of the show before, then that's great stuff. Hopefully that is, in fact, what is happening. One of the things we're going to be talking about—oh, by the way, tonight we've got a returning guest, one of my favorite guests, in fact, John Russell will be with us tonight— He's written the book, um, Riding with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead. And we've talked to him a few times about ghosts and other paranormal topics. And the last time he was on, just a few weeks ago, in fact, we were talking about a list of things that he had sent to me saying, these are the topics I want to chat about, which is a, was a great list. And we only got about halfway through it. So I said at that point I said uh, John you have to reach out to Slick Eddie and you've got to tell Slick that I said and of course I I told him as well that uh, we need to get you back back on soon so we could finish the list. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. It'll be ghosts, it'll be other uh related topics, spiritual and uh, mystical and psychical topics all combined with Johnny's he's a great guest got a lot of uh wonderful experience and anecdotes i think he's got a couple of evp he wants to us to listen to and, and and talk about so that'll be a fantastic discussion and we'll have him on in just a couple minutes i do want to mention that i've got a show coming up soon i'm not sure when we're going to get this scheduled but it's it's particularly important to talk about it right now because just recently in the last day or so uh, Congress was delivered a report about UFO activity as determined by the U.S. military. This has been a highly, highly anticipated report, uh, and, I, and 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 you know, preliminary uh, discussion is that this report is somewhat inconclusive, and I guess we'll see as more details come out. But depends on who you read. Some folks say, yeah, they say there are things unidentified, but they remain unidentified. We can't determine whether they're extraterrestrial or they're uh, advanced technology or what they are, which in itself is a little bit concerning because the U.S. military uh, should be able to identify anything flying through our skies, particularly when they're flying near U.S. military installations. But they're saying they don't have a handle on everything. So there's a lot of speculation that this report may say that which is seems to be the logical conclusion based on the early indications some have said i've seen some reports that the conclusion from the reports is yes in fact we are seeing items from deep space i don't know what that means that doesn't mean meteors that does not mean uh debris that would have to mean some type of intelligent craft so we'll have to see what that intelligent craft report means I will say this, and I hope this doesn't disappoint anybody, but I have a very good friend who has been on the program before. In fact, you may remember the the uh, episode we did where we talked about debunking the 9-11 conspiracy ideas. You know, the whole idea that it was an inside job. And we had Eddie Current on, and he talked about his analysis of it, and he actually had some very, very deep analysis and video demonstrations of What he felt actually happened that day, and it was not an inside job, according to him. I tend to fall on that side of the discussion as well. Well, he's done a similar analysis of currently one, but you know he's working on a second one, of these uh, videos that have been released by the U.S. military showing very anomalous flying objects, whatever they happen to be. Uh, The first one he has done a video on, do you know the one that's called Go Fast? I don't know if if everybody's familiar with the nicknames these videos have gotten. There's Go Fast, and there's Tic Tac, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of them. The Go Fast one shows an aircraft looking down at an object that appears to be uh, zooming across the surface of the ocean at a very high rate of speed. So... My friend Eddie has put together a video that analyzes this particular video, and and he's based a lot of his work on the work of a gentleman by the name of Mick West, who's also a debunker of these videos and has done terrific work. So uh, I was going to try to get uh, Eddie on Tuesday night. I was kind of trying to put that together, kept the night open for that, and in the la- last minute he wasn't ready to come on. So I'm hoping next week we're going to get him on. We're going to be able to show these videos that he's done analyzing what's happening in these quote-unquote ufo videos and if you're one of those folks who's hanging their whole ufo uh, believability hat on these videos yes that's right the gim and gimbal's another one you and and pyramid is another one you may end up being disappointed because uh, i'm going to tell you right now eddie does a good job very good job in fact of uh demonstrating what's really at play here now the interesting thing about all of this is that this there's nothing particularly complex about these analyses. They're actually very rudimentary, and the fact that the U.S. military hasn't done this is unbelievable to me. So, with that assumption, I have to believe the U.S. military also knows what's going on here. But we'll we'll leave that discussion until the point when we have uh, have Eddie on here with his video and his and he can explain his uh, procedures and his methodology of coming to these conclusions. I'm excited about the discussion because the worst thing that can happen to our, uh, uh, our ideas here, whether it's about UFOs or ghosts or anything that we talk about in this program, is to have things that are not what they are being purported as to be, a, to be uh, put forward as genuine. That's the worst thing that can happen. If we have a doctored ghost photo... And we start to believe and argue that it's genuine when the creator knows it's doctored. Uh, We look like fools, don't we? And that's the same thing with these these videos. So we need to make sure that before we go and say, wow, these are in fact, because I've said that about all of these videos, they are amazing. And when you watch them, your first impression is, yeah, what else can these things be? Well, now we've got some answers to that question, what else can these things be? So I'm looking forward to that program with Eddie Current and I'm hoping we can have it next week either uh, Tuesday or Thursday nights um and that, I've been doing the live program on those nights because uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday of course I'm doing the Independence Gang which is another show that you need to uh watch or at least subscribe if even if you're not a political person by nature you don't really want to get into those you know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable and I get it Keep your political beliefs to yourself. I understand that completely. But please do me a favor and go over and subscribe to the program. Go to the Independence Gang channel on YouTube and subscribe. I think we're one shy of uh, of the 300 number. There's nothing important about 300 other than the fact that it turns the zeros and it, we start counting up again from 300. We need to get to 1,000 is really where we need to get for the next level of what we're trying to do here. Um, Steph, just to answer your questions quickly. Uh, I don't, based on the work that Eddie Current has done and Mick West has done, both very, very far more intellectual than I am, but their work, they explain it and they talk about what they've done to reach their conclusions. These look like very easily explained non-alien phenomena. And that's, that's all I'll say right now. And it's not reflection. Well, actually, I shouldn't say it's not reflections. They're not all reflections. There are some... I think one of them. Uh, there's some discussion about reflections, but I don't know for sure. Anyway, so let me uh, let's go to break here. I know our, our guest John Russell's waiting for us to get in contact and bring him on the show. We'll start talking about all of the uh, ghost ideas and and uh, and other things that we had intended to talk about tonight, and we'll save the UFO discussion for. Although I might get John's opinion on him, but we'll save the UFO UFO discussion for another night because, um, like I said, we'll have Eddie Curran on to talk about that. So, let's go to break. Let's get our guest ready to go. It's Beyond Reality. Don't go away. It is a gr- great program tonight all about ghosts. We're going to have a great discussion. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app and it's only 99 cents a month it's less than a buck you probably have that change in your couch right now that dollar a month less than a dollar goes a long way in helping us produce this program provide great interviews for you during the course of the week i thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program It's beyond reality. I'm your host, JV. Thank you for joining us tonight. Looking forward to a great discussion. One of my favorite guests. In fact, I think he's making his fourth appearance on the show. John Russell, author of the book "Riding with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead." John, welcome back to the show. Great to have you again. Here again for I think appearance number four. If if your email to me looks right.
1: (laughs) JV, yes, it's, it's appearance number four, and I love your show. I love you. We always have a great time. We always talk about really great stuff, and I'm just thrilled to be here again.
0: Well, I love having you on, John, because as I was telling uh, the folks in the first segment here, every time you come on, I think we're going to get through you know a good hearty list of things. We get about halfway through it, and I realize we, uh, we're out of time, and we have so many more things to talk about, and that list <laughs> expands know. every time you're yeah. on.
1: Every time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and I have to come back so that's that's great I enjoy it it's 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 awesome
0: you know before we get into the stuff that you and I had intended to talk about tonight right. i I don't know if you heard my opening segment or not, but i, I did okay I did. so so you heard me talking about these u f o videos and yes what and the report you know I know this isn't something that that you may necessarily spend a lot of time talking about or looking at, even, but what are your thoughts on all that?
1: Well, you know, I think the report is going to be disappointing because I think the government is going to do a kind of a fallback to the Blue Book era type thing. And, uh, you know, our government knows what's going on. They can't help but know what's going on. And I think the uh, the secrecy thing is, is still going to out. I think it's still going to come out on top. I think we're going to be really disappointed in uh, what the report contains. And, you know, I, th- I think it's up to us to put the... Uh, to put our leaders' feet to the fire, so to speak, metaphorically, and demand some answers here because they, they have to know what's going on. I mean, you read the book The Day After Roswell by Philip J. Corso. Uh, you look at the interviews that have been done by people that have been there. You know, we've talked on the show about the person I met at the Roswell UFO Museum that saw the crash and all these types of things. So, you know, it's, it's, it's way past time for significant and real disclosure.
0: I have to um, scratch my head because, you know, when I first saw these videos, m- m- they're all very impressive, the ones that have been released within the last few years. You know, you've got Tic Tac, you've got Gimbal, you've got Go Fast, and there are a couple of others, the, the tri- uh, Pyramid, and uh, they're all very, very impressive. And I right. thought, you know, this is going to be difficult for the, for the military to explain these away, and they haven't explained them the, away. But I've seen, right. as I mentioned, a good friend of mine, Uh, showed me did a did an analysis of go fast and he sent it to me the other day and he did an amazing job of explaining this as being something a very very natural phenomenon and i won't give away what it is so i started thinking john i'm like you know what if 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 my buddy you know who's who lives in alabama can do this you know in a matter of an afternoon basically then you cannot tell me the u.s military doesn't know these things so if 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 we extend this one step further then you have to say okay so are they just are they trying to just throw this out here to you know to to uh water down the pool if you will to kind of is it misdirection is it is it sleight of hand you know what is it john
1: i think that's it you know and, and it's like you say The look i saw a documentary years ago where one of the former cia heads said that during the blackbird era that the SR-71 Blackbird, yeah. which flew in subspace, yep. could, with its camera back then, could take a picture of two golf balls on a putting green and could tell you which one was a Titleist and which one was a McGregor. Wow. Yeah. And that, that was a documentary with a CIA head saying, this is the technology we had back then. Imagine what we've got now. So, of course, we know what these things are. Of course, the government knows what these things are. And, you know, the the question is, the reality that we have to come up against is what and why is the secrecy? What is going on? You know, why is this kept a secret? Why is it withheld from the, the public? And, uh, you know, the military obviously has to have known all the way through. And why aren't we getting uh, the, the truth, the reality here? And there's a lot of speculation there among UFO researchers and, uh, you know, some of it may be true, some of it may be not. We don't know. But, uh, you know, at this stage of the game, it's like, you know, come on. Yeah. Are you are you kidding us? You know, it's like most of the American people believe in UFOs and or have had UFO experiences themselves. And, you know, we, we know that our government lies to us routinely. Yep. So it's, it's past time for something that's that's uh, real and meaningful, and uh, you know. I one good thing that has happened is that at least we've got out of the tinfoil hat genre right. into <laughs> you know into mainstream news. I mean, 60 Minutes did a right. credible story mm-hmm. with Lou Elizondo, right? right. Yep. But uh, but that's a drop in the bucket, you know. I mean, we we have. Uh, Uh, You know, there's just, it's it's ridiculous that we have the amount of knowledge that we do in in mainstream media and in other things. I mean, look at the late Stanton Friedman told us, you know, we have such an embarrassment of riches, basically, of physical evidence of UFOs and so on and so forth. And, you know, (laughs) it just, it boggles my mind that we're, we're, the government just, drags us out like it does
0: it's it's quite amazing but you would agree with me i'm sure that the worst thing we can do is uh is get something that's not authentic you know whether one of these videos or all of them are actually uh you know very explainable and rational irrational uh you know Objects that were we can't be if we start calling them UFO, it d- discredits everything. And this thing, you know, it'd be the same right. thing as a ghost photo. If if somebody made a fake ghost photo and you and I went running around saying, "Look at this wonderful ghost photo," we would look foolish.
1: Exactly. So we don't exactly. we don't want
0: that either, right?
1: We don't want that either. We we definitely want uh, the reality. But I mean, look, going back for a long time, there have been uh realistic and verifiable and significant photos and videos that's right of UFOs. That's right. And, you know, there there are things that people cannot discredit. And we have to acknowledge that this has been going on for a long time. And you know, to to for the government to continue to drag this out is absolutely the most ridiculous thing on the planet <laughs> at this point.
0: It's crazy. It's, it's it's crazy. I mean, you can't and, you, know, you, we, you can't help John but you have to, you know, some very uh, I don't know how to say this without being ridiculous about it, but you can't help but conclude that it's a sleight of hand trick. They're they're just they're dangling the shiny object over here while they're exactly. doing something else over over on the other side. I mean, that's exactly the only right. rational conclusion.
1: That's the only rational conclusion to come to. And it's like, you know, people have all these ridiculous arguments about well, you know we couldn't handle it there would be this national panic there would be this there would be that bloney you know look most people believe in ufo's a lot of people have had ufo experiences myself included a lot of people have been abducted and had have had abduction experiences there have been credible books credible documentaries uh, produced written by people with impeccable credentials that address these things and you know there's absolutely no way around it at this at this stage of the game we have to come to the point that we realize look it's real it's there. we may not know exactly who or what it is but we have to acknowledge that it is and you know we have to uh... we have to proceed from that point forward and in doing that we have to say okay we may not know who or what it is or what the intentions or purposes is but there it is the people know it. Many of the people have experienced it. Let's get on with the business of disclosing this. And then from there, let's, you know, let's figure out what we're going to do about the situation.
0: Right. There's also been a bunch of uh, articles recently, and I know Stephen Hawking uh, actually talked about this early on, and I really did not intend this to be a UFO conversation, but I love what you're saying here. Um, You know, they were talking about the fact we better hope these aren't that type of visitations, because we no we are very vulnerable. <laughs> if that kind of technology finds us, we yep. are in trouble. Um, we are
1: in trouble, yeah. Yes.
0: That,
1: yeah you know Stephen Hawking said that you know when uh, when a any superior technological species discovers another, the lesser technological species is in trouble, yep, you know paraphrasing paraphrasing Hawking, and he was absolutely correct. And this is our situation here and I mean look at uh, I, I believe it was uh, contact in the desert uh, the uh, there was an online presentation of that hosted by George Nuri and uh, Giorgio Osocolis was on the panel and I have the link to that and Giorgio Osocolis said look I'm, I'm all for the Space Force because let's assume these guys are benign okay if they are benign Great, but what if there's a faction that aren't, Yeah, and we need a way to protect ourselves? And I think that's absolutely true, and you extrapolate from, um, you know, you extrapolate from life. There are good people, there are bad people, Yep. and so that has to extend into the universe. There have to be, if there are aliens, whatever they are, whoever they are. There have to be some that are sympathetic. There have to be some that are indifferent. There have to be some that are, uh, you know, malevolent. And so I, I think you prepare for that, you address that, and you find a way to protect yourself from that. And I think the uh, one of the things I wanted to tell you about, you know, you had Rob shelsky yeah. on your show. Yep. And uh, MUFON investigator. And he made the most excellent point. And this is what I've been saying, too. You know, it's like... Um, he said, "Where is the story of someone lost in the woods? They're cold, they're freezing, they're hungry, and a UFO comes, shines a beam of light down, and leads them safely out of the woods. Where is that story? It doesn't exist. Right. And I think that's the uh, the, the keystone of this whole thing. You know, we have all these abduction reports. We have all these." PTSD reports. We have all these, uh, you know, cattle mutilation reports tied to UFOs. We have all these horrendous experiences, but we don't have that. You know, the UFO came and saved me. The UFO came and helped me. The UFO came and healed me. We don't find those reports, and I think that's what we have to look at in this scenario.
0: Yeah, that's it's telling. It's telling, and it's and it's a bit concerning. I want to try to make a transition here in a segue. Um, sure. From this UFO conversation into one of the topics that we're going, we intended to talk about tonight, and that's the idea right, of guardian right. angels and the connection here. Oh, yeah. The connection here, John, is that a lot of people uh, think that any type of this anomalous activity we're seeing in the skies is not creatures from another planet, you know, in high tech. Technology-driven uh, uh, spacecraft, but in fact, something far more spiritual—maybe angels, maybe right. you know, interdimensional. Right. But let's make the connection here between some of these stories and these ideas with angels and guardian angels. Do you see these 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 ideas overlapping at all?
1: I don't. Uh, I think the UFOs are something entirely different because, in my experience, and in my contact, and my experience with the other side. Uh, I've experienced UFOs uh, up close and personal, daylight encounters, and the presence of witnesses, and I've experienced guardian angels, and the two do not overlap. I have not been able to extrapolate one to the other. Um, to me, it's like, you know, it's like they're they're entirely separate things.
0: Is a guardian angel a special? kind of angel, or is that just what we call an angel who either decides or is assigned to watch over us, guide us, protect us?
1: I think that there are angels that we do get in our lives that are assigned to watch over us, protect us, and help us if we will listen, if we will you know pay attention to that guidance and pay attention to that help. And I believe that there are literally beings that are that are literally like that. Yes.
0: And does everyone have the benefit of either a guardian angel or angels that may intervene at some point in their lives, including people who may be, I don't know. Uh, let, let me use, let me use the cliche. Did Hitler have a guardian angel?
1: I think that everyone in their life has the potential or the ability to receive guidance that is beneficial, that is helpful, that is uplifting, that is of the light, and they have the ability then to either accept that or to reject that. So I think that everyone has that opportunity, and then whether they, uh, you know, everybody, you know, we talk about conscience, you know, our conscience hurting us, or yeah. our conscience getting the best of us. And I think that we have obviously people have the ability to go against their conscience and to do things that are against what their conscience would dictate. So I believe everyone has that capability to um, accept or listen to that guidance from the other side and either accept or reject it.
0: So that that pesky free will thing can mess things up for people.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we do have free will. We do have choice. And it's it's just like in any scenario in life when someone comes to you and says, okay, you can do this or do that. Well, I'm going to do this. And you make that choice. And so that free will always enters into it, and we can resist the guidance that we receive, or we can accept the guidance that we receive.
0: Some people... Uh, have reported, and I've never had this experience personally. I think you may have actually, uh, but some people report that uh, that uh, guardian angels or angels themselves can actually uh, either physically manifest or physically manipulate and physically help and interact and and uh, you know aid in some fashion the physical world. Uh, this phenomena isn't necessarily common, and a lot of people have angel experiences that don't involves some type of physical manifestation. What's the difference between the two, John, and why is it that some people have this physical manifestation and others don't?
1: That's a good question. And I have had literal physical manifestations of guardian angels, and, and we'll talk about some of those incidents as we go on here. I think the, uh, the reason is that many times people do have physical manifestations and they write it off as... Coincidence, or imagination, or whatever. I think that um, everyone has the capability to receive that guidance and that help, but they may ignore it, or they may, you know, not listen to it, or whatever. But the there's a um, a real um, argument in the paranormal realm, and I've encountered this recently that. Guardian angels only suggest <laughs> um, uh, kind of intervene in a um, kind of a, a intuitive way or something like they suggest things, but they don't directly intervene. They don't physically intervene. And that's something that in my experience is absolutely not true because I have had guardian angels, what I would describe as guardian angels literally physically intervene and save my life on many occasions literally save my life and one of the most uh, I'll, I'll give you some dramatic examples okay. I had uh, when I was uh, a young man I've had numerous health issues since I was a young man and in spite of that when I could I would do everything physical that I could and I lifted weights I'd practice martial arts I did all of these things so I had uh, I had lived on my own. I'd returned home for a short period of time, and the neighbors that we had when I that I grew up with, uh, the man became senile. He he had dementia, and I was one of the few people on the planet that could handle this guy. He would I would come over, and um, I could I could shave him. I could talk to him. I could calm him down. Whatever, so I would do chores for these people for the neighbors because I was young and, and uh, you know, able to do what I could when I, I had good health. So, one day they had asked me to come over. The woman asked me, she said, can you come over and change these? I bought new curtains for the living room. Can you change these out? And I was like, sure, happy to. So, there was a little step ladder, three, four steps tall. And uh, she came in, I set the stepladder up. She said, here's the new curtains, here's what I need done. I was like, okay. And her husband, who had dementia, was in the den, and she went back there to keep an eye on him. So I get up on the stepladder and I'm changing out these curtains. And I had excellent balance. I had studied the martial arts. I could do all these whirling, flying kicks, all these things. I'd studied judo, I could do tumbling, all these things. So I'm up on the stepladder, and uncharacteristically, all of a sudden, I lose my balance and I start to fall back to my left, Mm -hmm. and instantly, going through my mind is, it's okay, I'll let myself fall, because I'll, I'll twist my torso to the right, and torque back to the left real quickly, and that added momentum will twist me around in the air, and as I fall, I'll go down to the left, I'll land on my hands and my knees, hands and my feet, whatever, And I'll be okay. And I knew literally that I could do that from my martial arts experience and from my judo experience. I knew literally that I could do that, and I would land, and I'll be okay. It wasn't a big deal at all. So as I'm thinking that, I'm like, okay, and I twist to the right and prepare to get ready to do that. And this hand physically, literally, touches me on my, my hip and my lower back and pushes me back up onto the ladder and steadies me, and I'm like, "Oh wow!" Yeah. And my first thought is, the, "The old crazy guy with dementia has somehow come into the room unbeknownst to me, mm-hmm. and has seen me falling and has pushed me back up." So that's because it was a large hand; it was a big hand. Wouldn't be like the lady; she was his wife was a little diminutive woman with a little hand, and. Uh, so that's the first thought that comes to my mind as somehow this guy's come in here and, and he's, he's pushing me back up. Now, in the split second that it takes to think that, I turn and I look to say, oh, thank you, and there is no one there.
0: Wow. Did you physically see the hand, John, or did you feel the hand?
1: I did not physically see the hand, but I physically felt it. Right. I literally physically felt this hand stop me from falling and push me back up onto the stepladder and hold me until I regained my balance and then let me go. And in a split second, I looked over and there was no one there. Now, I was so astonished and I had had nine jillion paranormal experiences by this point. (laughs) And in spite of that, I was so astonished. I got down off the stepladder. I ran through the house, kind of sneaking through the house surreptitiously. And I ran to the den, quietly looked, and there they were. He was watching TV. She was knitting or reading or doing something. I was like, "Holy cow!" And they had no idea. What, they
0: had no idea what had just happened because they weren't. Yeah, yeah, no no And,
1: and I, I went back to the house and it was like, "Okay, couldn't have been them. I knew it couldn't have been them." But I, I just had to satisfy myself, and I went and uh, went back up on the step ladder, finished my chore, and I said, "Thank you." You know, thank you for keeping me from falling. And I kept looking around to see if I would see the spirit, whoever it was, the angel, whatever it was, that kept me from falling, and and didn't. But physically, literally, physically, this hand on me that kept me from falling. So that was perhaps a minor experience, because if I had, you know, flipped around, caught myself, gone down, I would have been okay. But this guardian angel was like, no, we're going to catch you. We're going to push you back up. We're going to hold you till you're okay. So that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, but,
0: with with the experiences you've had with uh, your guardian angel and/or angels, John, have you ever had a, a, being able to communicate with them?
1: I have. Yeah, absolutely, I have. And um, the the main thing that comes across, you know, look, we we all have a time. We're all going to die, right? We're all going to go across at some point. Yep. And and maybe that didn't change, but the. Information I've been given from the guardian angels is that look uh, If you'll listen if you'll pay attention, you know when we tell you don't go there Don't do this don't do that if you'll pay attention to that we can help you we can protect you and we can we can save you and uh, Then there is the type you know um, again guardian angels do intervene physically literally and another point is that sometimes that occurs over a vast period of time that we may not even know, and this is a little bit of a long story to tell, but it's, it's just really astonishing. It's really phenomenal. I had, uh, when I was a, a young child growing up in my family, my mother and I, uh, we loved to burn candles, especially around the holidays. And so there were always candles burning in our home. And we had an all-gas home. It was a gas space heaters, gas floor furnace, gas cook stove, gas range, gas oven, gas hot water heater, everything. Everything was gas. So as the years went by, uh, we would smell these these odd odors. And, and the, the old house, my family didn't have money, and the house fell into disrepair. And there were these aromas that we presumed were maybe plumbing odors, plumbing problems, because... Mm. The plumbing underneath the house was in disrepair. We didn't have the money to repair it, and on and on and on. So we would smell these aromas over the year, and we kind of chalked them up to, well, maybe it's the pipes leaking underneath the house. There's a crawl space underneath the house. And uh, so for all these years, we smelled this. So I moved out and then came back home. My sister and I both moved back home after we had both divorced and kind of came back home ostensibly to take care of my mom, who was failing. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, I think both my sister and I kind of needed some some respite from what we had gone through, and a little shelter. You can give me some shelter, you know, a shelter sure, yeah. from the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we moved back home. And in moving back home, I was living, uh, staying in the bedroom where my, my father had basically died. And um, I, I always have loved candles, incense, all these types of things. So there was always candles going, and incense going, an open flame. And my sister, before my mother died, we would have these little small dinner parties, and we would have, like, little seances, prayer meetings, whatever you want to call them. And um, we would have, you know, we would cook with the gas, the gas range, the oven going, all this stuff. We heated with space heaters, the, the um, floor furnace, all these things. So all these years, there were all these open flames going. Right. Right. Yeah. So my mother died and uh, I came home one day and I was sitting there and it was a sunny day and I was watching a news story on TV. And I used to when my mother died, we kept the house pretty warm because of her illness and she was was chilly and whatever. And when my mother died, I would leave out and I would turn off maybe all of the space heaters, and then come home in the evening and light everything up to warm up the house because I wasn't as cold or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I came home, lit up the the space heaters, and I had a wall heater in my my bathroom in the bedroom there. And I was sitting in my recliner watching a news story I was really interested in. And the sun was shining through this it was in the winter, and the, the tree was bare of leaves and the branches cast a shadow on my my bed over there by my recliner as I'm watching TV, and I'm watching TV and I see this motionless movement and I think, oh, that's just the branches, you know, the the sun uh, casting the shadow of the branches and whatever, and I keep I keep seeing this and I finally look over. There's something that catches my eye and I look over, and in the bathroom wall heater. There is a tongue of flame shooting out eight to ten inches. Oh, geez. Yes, from the inlet pipe to the space heater, and for a second, I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what, what the hell yeah. am I seeing here?" And I get up and I walk over and I look, and this flame is shooting. Now the the grates are burning, the heater is burning, but this flame is shooting out of the inlet pipe, and there's a crack in the inlet pipe. And this flame is shooting out 18 inches. And I'm like, oh, my God, my God, my God. And I reach down, I turn off the space heater, and the grates go out. The flame goes out there, and the tongue of flame keeps burning out of that crack in the inlet pipe. And I'm like, oh, my God, the house is going to blow sky high, and I'm going to die. Yeah. So I run to the phone. I call the gas company. I say, I tell them what's going on. What should I do? They say, do you have a ranch? Do you know where the gas meter is? And I was mechanical. I've been mechanical my whole life, so I had a lot of tools. I said, yeah, I've got a wrench. I know where the gas heater is or or the the meter is. And they said, go turn the meter off, and we'll send an emergency crew out right away. I said, okay. So I go turn the meter off. I came back in, and I have expected for some reason the flame to still be burning out of the inlet pipe. But it was out, and I was like, oh, thank God, okay. So about this time, the gas company pulls up. And it's getting to be twilight. So he he comes out and he goes, where's your gas meter? And I said, well, you just drove by it. It's it's there in the alley. He pulled up in the alley behind my house. We had an alley behind our house. And he said, okay. So he said, um, let, me, let me get my meter out and start checking things. So he gets out his handheld gas detection meter. And he turns it on. And it immediately pegs and screams and the needle pegs. Oh, wow. And he's like, what in the world? And he turns it off, he turns it back on, the same thing happens, and he literally whacks it, right? He hits it, and he goes, this darn thing, he said, this, this thing must be broken. He said, I don't understand this. So we start walking toward the house, and he periodically turns the meter on and off, and every time it squeals and the needle pegs, and we get up to the house, and he goes, do you smell that? And I'm like, what? He said, don't you smell this gas? I'm like, well, no, not really. And he goes, my God! He said, and we walk inside the house. He turns the needle on it, pegs, and it squeals. And he goes, the the meter's not wrong. It's not malfunctioning. He said. He said, get get every door and window open in this house that yeah. you can. He said, this house is full of gas. And so we start doing that. And he goes out on the porch, the front porch, and he said. My God, he said, I'm, I'm dizzy. He said, I can't stand this. He said, isn't this affecting you? And I was like, well, not really. And he said, you don't smell that? And I said, well, a little bit. But he said, my God, he said, I can't stand this. And he said, I know why the meter's going off. He said, the meter's leaking. The line from the meter to the house is leaking. Oh. The house is full of gas. And he said, you know, this is. <laughs> so we go back outside about this time. Another emergency vehicle pulls up behind him. And he goes, You know, what you know, what, what's what's happened? What's going on? So he tells him and he goes, Well, how badly was the guy hurt? How badly was the guy burnt? And he said, He's not. That's him right there. And he goes, Nah, you're you're kidding me, It can't be. What you're describing that, that can't be. And he said, No, come on, I'll show you. And he goes and he shows and he shows him the hole that developed in the gas inlet pipe and the heater. And so both the guys look at me and they say, now this was in January, and it's cold, and they go, look, we don't mean to be gruesome, but you and your entire family should have been blown sky high years ago. Wow. And this neighborhood should have been reduced to rubble. There should be a crater here the size of Detroit. (laughs) And we don't mean to be gruesome, but... You should have been dead long, 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 long ago. And if you don't believe in miracles, you should believe in one now, because this is a Christmas miracle. It's late, but it's a Christmas miracle. Now, these are the gas company guys. So my sister calls me, and she goes, Hey, she said, You want Kentucky Fried Chicken for dinner? I was like, You can't believe how timely your call is. And I explained to her what happened. I said, We have no means to cook. And... uh, and so they, they uh, I tell her, yeah. And we had one of these old push-button light switches in the old house. And when you push it, you know, it sparks. And the gas company guys couldn't believe that I had used that to turn on the lights. There yeah. wasn't an explosion. I used the, the rotary phone, the old dial phone, and there wasn't an explosion because that produces sparks. They couldn't believe that. And so they told me, they said, okay, we're going to have to, you know, keep the gas shut off. We're going to have to pull the meter. It's the wrong size meter for the house anyways. We're going to have to pull the meter, cap it off. You're going to have to get a plumber out, redo all this stuff, and then we'll come in and expect put a new meter in and so on and so forth. It's like, okay. So the next day, my um, we get a hold of a plumber. I go to work. Uh, my, I come home for lunch. My sister tells me that the plumbers have come to her and said, I'm quoting them. They said, there were seven teams. 17 major gas leaks wow all of these years and they said there's a a test they do think of a blood pressure cuff and you yep. pump it up and it goes down the, the mercury falls there's a test that they do and the um what they do is they hook up a high pressure gauge to the gas line and they pump up the pressure, and they open it up, and however long it takes that meter to fall, they know how, how severe the leak is. So they explained that they would, they would pump up the pressure, open that up, and immediately, immediately, the gauge would plummet to zero. That's how bad the leak was. Jeez. And they found 17 major leaks, the meter leaked, the gas line into the house leaked, all of the appliances leaked, everything under the house leaked. There were 17 major, according to them, major gas leaks. And they said, we don't understand, this, this didn't occur overnight. These leaks had to have occurred over a period of years and years and years. Why is this house still standing? Why are you not all blown to Kingdom coming back? And, you know, how have you managed to survive? We just don't get it. And so the, the, the moral of that story is, that for all of these years these guardian angels had literally been saving us been protecting us been keeping us from being blown to kingdom come and watching over us physically through all of this all of this um, you know all of these leaks all of this time so you know guardian angels not only intervene in an immediate a moment, but they will intervene over a period of time and watch over you. So that was one of the more dramatic moments we had. And then, as I discussed in my book, uh, Riding with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead, I was going down the interstate, you know, on a pleasure ride on my motorcycle, and I heard this voice say, John, move into the far left lane. Well, here in Florida, and we've discussed this before, but here in Florida, And the right lane, you know, the speed limit's 70, and people go 80, 85, 90. In the middle lane, it's faster than that. And in the left lane, people imagine they're training for the Daytona 500. (laughs) So so I'm riding along. I'm tooling along. It's a beautiful, clear day. I'm enjoying the scenery. I'm enjoying the sunshine. I'm just happy to be alive and be on the bike. I've been a biker since I was 15. And I'm riding along, just enjoying myself. And I get this voice, and it says, John, moving to – it first doesn't say, John, it just says, moving to the far left lane. I'm like, guys, I don't want to move into the far left lane. I'm having a good time here. I'm lollygagging along. I'm looking at the scenery. It's a great day. I don't, you know, to get over there through this heavy traffic on the interstate, I'm going to have to do some mighty tall riding. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then they say, John, move into the far left lane now. And I'm like, okay, I know better than to argue with that. So I'm throttle on, throttle off, upshift, downshift, you know, bobbing and weave and lean and all this. And I get through the traffic, I get into the far left lane, I'm riding at a much higher speed than I want to be because I just want to lollygag and relax and enjoy. Yeah. I'm far below my high-speed riding capability. But this isn't what I want to be doing. I'm like, okay, I'm here, now what? And a split second later, where I was in the right lane, this guy somehow hits a car, a car hits him, something happens, he's spinning around in his car in that lane and faces the wrong way on the interstate. And As he's spinning around, I look over, and his and my eyes actually make contact as he's spinning. And he spins around facing the wrong way. There's detritus blowing across the interstate like bumpers and hubcaps and stuff oh, just flying across like shrapnel, and I'm dodging that. And I, I start to stop, and I look back, but cars are already stopping, avoiding him, avoiding the wreck. And I know people are going to call the, um, you know, the highway patrol. Everything's going to be okay. So I keep going. But the point of it is, if I hadn't listened, I would be right in the middle of that wreck. Yeah. I would have hit him. A bunch of cars would have hit me. I'd be dead. I'd be telling you now what it's like to be on the other side. That's right. Instead of speculating about it. And so, you know guardian angels do actually physically intervene and save our lives and the point is you have to listen number one and then when you listen you have to do what you're told which i did you know I said, okay i get it i'll, I'll move over and as i did so it saved my life now with that there are going to be people who say well you know i had this wreck or i had this accident or i had this thing where was my guardian angel right it's like yeah. were you listening <laughs> you know number right. one were you listening Number two, if you were listening, did you do what you were told? You know, you go back to stories of serial killer victims that have escaped. And a lot of them will tell you, you know, I had this feeling not to go down this road or not to go to this place or not to go to this store. I had this feeling, but I ignored it, you know. So we have to listen to what we're told and we have to obey what we're told. And, you know, everybody has a time. We're, we're all going to die no matter what happens. But in on the way, we have, to, we have to understand that guardian angels do literally, physically intervene for us and help us if we will listen, if we will pay attention.
0: I've had folks on the program, and, of course, these are somewhat commonly shared stories, You know, the story like I was about to step out into the street and a stranger stops me and then a bus goes whizzing by, which would have hit me had I made that step. And then I turn to thank the stranger and the stranger's gone. Or, uh, you know, I I was in a car wreck and I'm only semi-conscious and some very generous stranger pulls me from the car to the grass Uh, and then when the paramedics arrive, they say there was never anybody there, you know, and, you know, there are a lot of these types of stories, John, but we also know that not everybody gets stopped from stepping out in front of that bus and not everybody gets pulled from the wreckage, you know, before the car is engulfed in flames. What's the difference?
1: You know, I think that the, um, the point is, are you listening? Are you paying attention? And I think that's one of the main things. Now, that may not explain everything, but that's one of the main things. Look at, for example, 9-11. And when the plane hit the tower, and in the other tower, people were – and this, this was reported in the mainstream news – people in the other tower were told, you know, look, it's it's no big deal. It was an accident. Right. Go back to your desks. Go back to work. Everything is okay, which is just it's unbelievable. Like,
0: look, yeah, unbelievable in yeah, retrospect.
1: If if the crap is hitting the fan, run, yeah. <laughs> you know, get <laughs> and, out of there. And, and, and I don't, don't mean, listen to and I know don't you, listen to the quote unquote voice of authority. Go, yeah.
0: And I know you. I know you. You feel the same way. We don't mean to laugh at that situation because there's nothing right, to laugh about right. there. But however. No absolutely i mean just a quick 9-11 story my mother was a directory assistance operator at the time she worked, lived and worked in upstate new york but they handled new york right. metro era code right. for their directory assistance and she just like like on a you know it was a normal morning then all of a sudden suddenly the phones were melting down with people calling to get right. phone numbers right. for the world trade center you know right. for various offices and um and, you know, she actually ended up calling me and say, you know, and I'm, I'm in upstate New York, too. I wasn't anywhere near Manhattan. Um, but she right. said, you know, a plane hit the hit the tower. And I'm thinking, you know, a little Cessna clipped it or something. And right. You know, right and right. it wasn't until I think the second plane hit that I that I realized that there was something serious going on. What's going on? Yeah. yeah, And just what a, what an amazingly uh, sobering day, uh, you know, in so yes. many respects. Yes. And. You know I I know there are a lot of spiritual stories that have come out of the tragedy of that yep. day uh, some of them are very very uh, heartfelt and uh, in, in ways inspiring for sure uh, you know amidst all that tragedy there is still a lot of a lot of very spiritual moments that uh, we can take some solace in
1: absolutely and you know going back to my earlier point uh, you know listen to your instincts yeah. And listen to your intuition. If people had said, well, you know, I don't feel right here, something's happening. I don't care what the boss says, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. You know, they would have been alive. Yeah. And I think that's the the bottom line of what we have to learn from all this is that you know, the other side can intervene physically to save us and to help us if we will listen and if we will pay attention and if we will act on that even if it goes against the status quo. Because you know the boss is going to say, "Hey, everything's all right." go right. back to your desk, go back to work, and it's like, "Huh? You know, something's yeah. wrong here. I'm out of here." Yeah, and you got to be willing to go against that status quo. I don't think anybody. Gotta
0: would, be... I don't think people be making that mistake again. You know, we've learned. Lo- yeah. one of the things. Yeah. That Hopefully we've, not. Yeah, one of the Hopefully things not. is an education that we've gotten out of that. Um, I want to move on here a little bit, John, because as always, we the clock ticks a lot faster. <laughs> I know than... <laughs> the, the clock eats <laughs> us up. I tell it you, it really does. We'll yeah, uh, I want to talk about EVP a little bit. Um, yeah. you, you've done a lot of EVP work, and of course, most folks who have any familiarity with uh, paranormal investigating know that stands for Electronic Voice Phenomenon. It's a it's right. a way to use a recording device to pick up what uh, disembodied voices and things that you Spirit would, voices, yeah, right. and what right. you wouldn't be hearing in real time, but end up imprinted on this record on a recording. Talk to us a little bit about just how you think that works, and has any of that changed? During the transition from the days of when we used to do this on whether it was open reel tape or, or cassette tapes, to the point of now we can do it on we can even do it on our phones for that matter, but digital recordings. Right.
1: Right. You know, I, I don't think it has changed. I think the, uh, I think the, um, the capability, the mechanism, whatever the the um, transmission is, uh, I think that's still there. I think that's the exact same thing. I think we're just, you know, look, back in the day of real to real, uh we used to get this stuff. Yeah. And now we've got digital and we still get it. So I think the other side kind of uh kind of um adapts to whatever um technology that we're using at the time. And I think that um, the the main thing in like EVP, for example, we have these. Um, there's a frequency that we don't know what is. And for example, you can you can take a recorder, a digital recorder, and you can you know press the record button. You can ask, "Is anybody here?" Whatever, and you don't hear a voice with your physical ears. Right. And then when you stop the recording, you play it back, you hear somebody addressing you or saying something. And so there is a frequency there that the spirits can use that we cannot hear with our ears, but somehow is picked up on a recorder. Now I talked to somebody the other day and they said, Look, I'm a I'm a musician, I do these things, uh I I use um technology to, uh, you know, to work with my recordings, my music, and so on and so forth, and I adjust things and with an equalizer and all this stuff, and they said, in EVP, I have never been able to find the frequency that these voices are on. I've heard these voices, but I can't find the frequency that they're using. And that's my exact point. There's a frequency there. You know, people say, well, why do they use noise? You know, we use ghost boxes. We use radios that are are tuned to static. And the the voices appear in that. We hear them when we record them. Why is that? We don't know. They're using that noise. They're using that frequency to communicate. And we haven't found that frequency yet. This is what this guy was saying. He said, look, I've heard these voices I've analyzed them as a musician I have all these these bits of software and things at my disposal and I've used all that and I can't find the frequency these voices are on so my point is that when we find that frequency we will be able to hold in essence live two way communications with you know beings on the other side. Once we find that frequency, but we haven't found that yet. We don't know what it is, so we have a long way to go with EVP, and uh, it's uh, you know it's it's something that yeah. we have to experiment, continue to experiment with, and hope that we find that frequency.
0: And I think I think EVP might be you know the, one of the most common forms of uh, paranormal activity that we can actually catch that we can actually get some kind of. What I would call hard evidence of. I just want to right. go back to the source discussion a little bit here because, you know, I grew up and I, I started my radio career in the days of of reel to reel tapes. You know, we did everything right. in our production studio on reel to reel tapes. When I had to put pieces together, I had to use a razor blade and and uh, splicing tape, <laughs> right. To right. do so it, it which splice, yeah, yeah, which was quite a skill, and I got really damn good yep. at it. Um, so I know yep. a lot about you know working with tape, and. Right. You know, I didn't know a lot about the paranormal back then, but my thought would have been w- catching EVP on audio tape. Since the audio tape is basically a medium that is that is affected by magnetism, um, right. I would think that you know what a spirit. Since we we often equate uh, electromagnetic activity with spirit activity in some fashion, you know, help us detect right. their presence. You'd think that that electromagnetic activity could actually f- manipulate the magnetism on the tape to leave that imprint. Right. And maybe that's, you know, legitimate uh, uh, explanation, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. But it certainly doesn't explain how it happens in a digital recorder. And that's what baffles me. How do they, yeah. how does this happen on a digital On a rec- digital, yeah. Recorder?
1: And, and people have, rec- you know, people have reported uh, telephone calls from the dead. People have yeah. reported text messages that's right. from the dead. People have recorded uh, emails from the dead, so I think that the lesson there, the message there, is that as technology progresses, so do people on the other side. Adapt to that and progress, and find ways to communicate through all of these new mediums. And I think that's that's the thing that occurs. <clears throat> but uh, you know, I've had uh, I had I recorded a uh, or or filmed a TV pilot for the History Channel, which unfortunately never aired. And my producer, I became friends with my producer, and we continued to work on uh, ideas to approach uh, you know, producers for TV programs. And one of the things he asked me to do, he said, record some EVP. And I said, why would I do that? I said, I hold two-way conversations in my head with these spirits, and they're paragraphs long sometimes. They give me information that is verifiable that we can validate, why would I record EVP? And you usually get a word, two, three words, maybe a short phrase. Why would I do that? That's regression. And he said, well, think of it this way. Somebody watching a TV show uh, hears you say the spirits are telling me this, this, this. And okay. But now you play uh, an EVP and they hear a spirit voice, even if it's only a few words, they go, oh, wow, that I can hang my hat on. Right? right, yeah. So I was like, okay, there's there's something evidentiary there, so I, I get that. So uh, I, I begin to experiment with, the, with EVP a little bit, and I still do, and I've gotten some really great things, but I, I still rely on my psychic gift above that. But some really great examples that I've had recently of EVP I had a very dear friend of mine that crossed over, and uh, I said, okay, I'm going to make the I – was, I was friends with his family, and I said, okay, I'm going to make the determination. I'm not going to try and communicate to him for a while until he's had ample time to adjust to being on the other side, until maybe he's had time to try and communicate <coughs> Excuse me with his family uh to give them some kind of sign that he's present or whatever. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull back. I'm just gonna just okay. So I did that and then I was like, okay, I, I gotta hear from this guy. I love this guy. He was my friend. I really loved him. Right. And so I was sitting there and I I had my recorder and I said I I called his name, said, his name was Clyde. And I said, Clyde, buddy, are you here? Man, talk to me. And I turned on the recorder, and I heard, hi, John. And I was like, oh, wow, oh, wow. I said, that's so awesome. And I I sent that to his daughter, and I played that for her. She was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so great. This is is so great. And then uh, I had uh, a client I was reading for, and this person came through from the other side so strongly, for her that it was just it was unreal it was just ridiculous and and after we got through this this person's presence lingered and um i i said uh, I said I I got my recorder out and I said I said you know Bob are you still here and i heard this John Bob <laughs> yeah. like, okay so I, and I sent you a, a file for the, the Peekaboo and the Joy EVPs. And uh, the uh, the Peekaboo EVP was really interesting. I was out in the woods. I You know, I love to go. I've lived as an outdoorsman my entire life. I've been out in the woods, out in the wilds, out in the forest. And I was walking through this forest, out in the wild, all by myself. And I turned on my recorder and I said, hey, is there anybody out here? Can you say anything to me? And I got this voice and it's a Class A voice you can hear very clearly, and, and the, uh, the VPL sent you. It's peekaboo. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we say yes, peekaboo. Yeah. We, we know you're here. We're, we're, we're talking to you. And uh, so we get these voices very clearly that are evidence of spirit voices on the other side, of entities on the other side that speak to us. And are they proof of life after death? I choose to believe that they are. And the question always comes up, how do we know that someone or something on the other side isn't imitating a person or spoofing us? Well, there we go back to areas of faith. Yeah, You know, we, we have to think that, okay, uh, if we hear something that sounds like someone, their voice is identifiable as their timbre, their, their you know, inflections, everything. Uh, we we kind of have to hang our hat on that. And it, it does become a matter of faith, and we say, okay, yeah, it could be spoofed, it could be somebody or something on the other side imitating it, but there's there's so many of these things that, you know, it it, it makes more sense to believe that it is that person trying to communicate with us, trying to come back with us, so that's that's ultimately what
0: we have to hang our hat on i'm going to play the the uh, evp we were just talking about uh yeah. the peekaboo one now it's yeah. it's about i think it's about 2 seconds long this clip right. here right. and there's always a lot of background noise that's part of the problem with with trying to analyze these sure. you know the, the sure. ambient noise is there yes. so you have to kind of listen through the ambient noise i'm going to play it twice back to back and then right. we'll, you know, I'll let you talk about it a little bit more, and uh, sure. and and you know, maybe we'll play it again after that. But here it is, and, and um, I think it's because it wasn't labeled Peekaboo, John. I think, but I think this is the one you're talking about. So let's play it. I'm going to play it twice back to back. Sure. Now I can hear it clearly with my headphones on, so I don't know yeah. if if the folks yeah. you know who are listening through however they're listening, online and stuff, actually get the full effect. Because I imagine right. that when you go through something to listen for EVP, you're listening with a with headphones as well, because that's really what you need to do to be able to hear things clearly. But I hear it clearly. I'm going right. to play it one more time here, and I hear you know it's right there. I hear it.
1: Yeah. Now the 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 great thing about the peekaboo EVP is that on the the digital recorder that I recorded this on, you can hear this clearly. Without headphones directly from the digital recorder. And I played this for a friend of mine. I said, Hey, you want to hear a spirit voice? And he was like, What? Come on. And I and I played it and his eyes bugged out. I mean it was, yeah. it was really phenomenal. I mean the the uh, the recording is absolutely totally crystal clear when played in in its original capture from the digital recorder. So um That was that was one of the most phenomenal things, and then the joy EVP. uh, That was I was using a ghost box with a recorder, and uh, and I captured that, and that was one of the clearest ones I've got. uh, The joy one.
0: Yeah, I have that Uh, one here too. So when I listened to this before the show, uh, I think I heard like some some radio announcer or something.
1: Yeah, and then I hear you from the ghost box,
0: and then I hear you talking. Right. Right. And, and, then, then, and then we hear the EVP. The, the spirit says joy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to play that. I'm going to do it back to back. Here we go. Play it twice.
1: Hi, I'm Lauren. Can you tell me your name?
0: You have to hear it. It's kind of under the the y noise. You can hear it right yeah. under, kind of underneath. I'm going to play it again. Joy. It's like joy,
1: joy. Yeah, and yeah. You hear it very clearly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Again, with the headphones on, I think I have a much uh, an advantage here. Um, right. But it's there. It's it's definitely there. And I have to say that uh, you know I I tend to be the biggest skeptic in the room, even though this is kind of my business and it's what I've been doing for a very long time. Uh, right. And when I go on an investigation, it it has to be an impressive uh, bit of evidence for me to be impressed, and uh, yes. I have yes. caught some EVP that have floored me, John. Yeah. I don't have any yeah. of them ready to play or anything like that, but I truly right. have, I mean, this is a real legitimate way to get some kind of evidence.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, there's there's absolute evidence of something happening there. There is a rich history of EVP, and most people think it goes to Roddiv, 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 and uh, it doesn't, it goes back way before him. I I've, uh, discovered a book uh, that uh, discusses the history of uh, EVP. And it, it has a long, rich history. And there are many great evidentiary uh, communications from the other side with EVP. And it's something that the average person can do and, uh, and obtain evidence from. So uh, that's that's uh, you know that's that's one of the things you can do, and then if we have time, we can move on to healing real quick if we have time for that.
0: Yeah, I mean let, let's do that, you know, because I just happen yeah. to notice we, we're kind of already in extended time here, uh, but at the, same, know, time, know. It's the same time, at the same we've only gotten through two of the items of the seven that you and I wanted to talk about today I tonight. know, I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, let's 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 extend a little here. Let's talk about healing.
1: Okay, okay. The uh, the the wonderful thing about healing. Um, there was a client that called me one time, you know, I read worldwide for a worldwide clientele, I do my psychic readings, and a client called me and said, I'm calling you to learn how to die.
0: What a what and I an was like, odd thing to say. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like, Wow. I said, and all the years that I have read professionally, I have never had anybody open a conversation with me like that. So the first thing I asked them was, Are you going to commit suicide? They said no, no, no. They said I have uh, terminal cancer, I'm stage 4, and I have been under the, um, the care of one of the most prominent cancer specialists in the US for many years, and they told me you've got about 2 weeks. Go home, make your preparations yeah. and and get ready. So I'm calling you to say how do I die? What's it like? How do I cross over to the other can side? I, can I'm I like, ask
0: oh. you, and this might get a little, sure. too, a little sure. too personal, but first of all, you know, how, when somebody asks a question like that and tells you a story like that, how do they yeah. sound? How did that client sound to you? And then what did it do to you personally?
1: Oh, totally credible, totally believable. No, but I, I'm not, I wasn't
0: as concerned yeah. with being credible yeah. or not. I'm, I'm assuming they're certainly yeah. credible. But, right. I mean, did they sound afraid? Did they sound...
1: No, they, they were at peace. They were like, okay, this is it. Uh, this is this is what I've been given. This wow. is what I have to deal with. Now, what do I do? And I was like, my God. So I tune into the other side, and the other side tells me, okay, this person is not going to die. I'm like, okay, this Ooh. is awesome. Yeah. So I, I tell them, I say, okay, look, what I'm getting is, and then this her dad comes to me, who was on the other side. And I said, look. I'm getting this person, I believe is your dad, and I describe as, and I give the physical description, and she goes, yeah, that's, that's my father, that's my father on the other side who's dead, that's exactly what he looked like, and I said, okay, your dad says it's not your time, my psychic gift says it's not your time, and she says, well, John, look, I've, I've looked at your website, I've read all your client testimonials, it's really impressive, but look. I don't know you, but I know the doctor I've been with for all these years. (laughs) The doctor says, you know, stage four, you're dying. You've got two weeks. Go home and prepare. So what do I do? And I said, okay, look, approach it this way. I said, let's assume that I'm right. And if I'm right, wouldn't you rather live well than to live sick? And she said, well, yeah. I said, okay, let's do this. If I'm right if your dad on the other side whom you have agreed that I have received correctly, described correctly, is right, let's assume you're gonna live. And there's this, this book with a healing technique that I recommend to a lot of my clients. And I said, okay, let's do this. Take this technique and do this, and I, the other side gave me a, a recommendation for her and I gave that to her, and I said, do this X amount of minutes or hours per day times per day, forever. And I said, look, you're gonna get mad at me, you're gonna say damn this John Russell, damn this sickness, damn God, damn everything else. I said, that's okay, keep doing it. You're gonna get up some days and you go, oh, wow, it's working, I feel great. And you're gonna get up the next day and go, oh my God, I'm dying, I'm sick of my... I said, that's great, keep doing it. You're gonna get up and you're gonna curse me, you're gonna curse God, you're gonna curse... I don't care, keep doing it. And I said, if you will do this, for six months straight, every day, like I've told you, in six months' time, your weight will be back, your hair will be back. She would lost her hair from, from chemo and from sickness, and you'll be back to work. And I said, after that, if you'll keep doing this for a year, this is what the other side tells me, you'll be cured. So she said, okay, what the heck, what have I got to lose? I'll try it. And so she did, and so she she communicated with me periodically And in six months' time, she got back to me. She said, John, my hair is back, my weight's back, I'm back to work, I've got my energy back. I said, okay, this is great, but listen to me. Keep doing it. Because the other side showed me a year, and keep doing it. So she did. So in a year's time, she called me and she said, John, she said I'd give my eye teeth. If you could have been with me at my doctor's appointment, yeah, I went into my doctor and my doctor who told me a year ago, you've got two weeks, go home, get your affairs in order. You're fixing to die. My doctor came out and she said, he sat there and he just stared at me for a long time. Didn't say anything. Just stared at me. And he said, you know, he said, I don't understand this. A year ago, I sent you home to die. Gave you two weeks. And he said, here you are, your hair is back, your weight's back, you're back to work, your energy's back. And he said, what I don't understand, and I didn't know this at the time. She told me this, explained this to me. He said, what I don't understand is I have run every test known to man on you. And he said, cancer leaves markers in the body. Once you've had cancer, if you're cured, whether it's through spontaneous remission, whether it's through chemo, whatever, you still have markers in your body that you had cancer. And he said, I've run every test known to man on you. And he said, not only do you not have cancer, you don't have any markers in your body that indicated that you ever had cancer. So the, the point of all that is that spiritual healing is real and that it absolutely does work and that it can help us and that it can overcome the most serious and the most horrible diseases, the mm-hmm. most horrible things. So, um, and, and she's she's cancer-free to this day. That's... But the point of it is that, that spiritual healing could overcome cancer and could not only heal her but could erase the markers. Yeah that cancer was ever even in her body. Wow! And then I had a, um, a friend of mine, I, I used to take the bus, and uh, there was a long story there, but for a, a time I didn't have a car and I had to take the bus. And there was this guy that would get on the bus and he had had back surgery. I've never known anybody that ever got better from back surgery. Ever. I know. <laughs> and, and, and this guy was no exception. And he had a... A uh, an upper torso brace with a cane, and he would get on, and he had the back surgery, and he would hobble around. And so we became friends. We kind of talked, and he would come sit down in front of me when I was on the bus. And so when he would turn around, the bus would get going. After we got through talking, I would take my hands, and I would transmit healing energy to him. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Through the seat to his back. And I would do this every single time he was on the bus. And he would see me come sit down. I'd see him come sit down. We'd talk. And when he turned around, I'd transmit the ceiling energy. So one day in in just a week or two, (laughs) the bus driver pulls over, stops for the bus. Here's this guy. He gets on. He doesn't have his brace on, he's still using the cane. But he doesn't have his brace on. He gets on the bus and he's moving really spryly. And and the bus driver goes, "Wow, look at you! What happened?" He says, "Man, I'm just I'm I'm really doing great." And everybody's like, "Look at you! How, what what happened?" And he said, "I don't know." He said, "My doctor told me." He said, "I have never seen anyone recover from back surgery this quickly, this well." He said, "I don't know what's happened." And so I was like, "Okay." You know, we can transmit this healing energy to others, and it does work. It does help them. So we have to be aware that this the paranormal is a physical reality, and it does help people, and we can help people with this. And the other quick example I'll give you, I had, uh, had this drinking buddy of mine I, I lived with for a while before I moved up to New York, one of my best friends on the planet, and... Uh, we would go to this, this bar we loved. And we knew all the people there. They were mostly young college kids working their way through college, being you know, working with waiters and waitresses and whatever. And so with this, this one gal we knew, we were sitting there at the bar drinking. She came up to the bar, and she plopped down, and she goes, my God, she said, look at my lip. And it looked like a goiter on her lip. And she had got this fever blister, this cold sore. And everybody knows you get a big, severe... Fever blister, cold sore, even with medication it takes a week or two to go away, right? right yeah. She had just got she had just got this thing and it was like gigantic. It was huge. She was like, Look at me, I'm like a monster. I was like, Oh my god. So I said, Listen, can I do something? She goes, What are you talking about? I said, Listen, let me let me just transmit some healing energy this. Can I do that? She was like, Yeah, sure, whatever. So here in the middle of this crowded bar, crowded restaurant, I take my finger, I rev up this energy I I get about a half inch away from her fever blister, and I start sending energy into this thing. So I get done. I said, do you feel anything? She said, yeah, it kind of got hot, and it kind of tingled. She said, what would you do? And I said, oh, it's an old Indian trick I learned. I just passed it off that way, and I left it. (laughs) She's like, okay, whatever. And so she went on. So the next day, the very next day, my friend and I are there drinking again. And she comes in for her shift, she runs over to me, she goes, My God, look at my lip. And her lip was absolutely, totally, completely clear. Wow. Completely healed. Not a trace of anything, not anything there. She goes, What did you do? I said, Oh, an old Indian trick, you know, I just kinda of passed <laughs> off that away. <laughs> and and my my buddy says, John, that's some weird stuff. <laughs> <man."> <laughs> So, but the point is, you know, we, we, we have these things in the, in the spiritual realm, the paranormal realm, and they're not there for entertainment or to scare us or to, ooh, woo look at that or whatever. You know, it is real, it is practical, it does work, it can help us, it can protect us, it can heal us, it can guide us, and that's the thing that we need to be looking at and working toward and understanding in all of this is that it does have a practical application. It does have a, um, you know, something that we can uh, live with in a practical, helpful way, help ourselves and help others. And that's the point of all of
0: it. You know, I, it, it, it bothers me, and, and we've got to wrap this up, but it bothers me, you know, having lost uh, both of my parents uh, not too long ago, it seems like yesterday. Right. Uh, but right. then again, it seems like I haven't seen them in you know a generation. But yep. um, it bothers me that the medical community, with both of them, they were both ill, different illnesses. But they it seemed like the medical community just kind of you know, you know, f- washed their hands of it when they felt exactly. like they couldn't do any more. And my and then yep. I had to watch them both just, uh, just die over a long period of time, or wasn't yep. long enough actually. But it was yes. you know an extended period. And I and I hear stories like this, and I wonder why the medical community doesn't. Take some of this a little bit more seriously and say, you know, we don't well, have we don't have the answers in a bottle here, or you know, yeah, or, or in a, in, a, yeah. in a surgical suite, but here there might be some answers here for you. And they don't, they don't, well, they don't even talk I'll, about
1: I'll these I'll tell things. you, I'll tell you, the um, you know, a lot of the medical community has a god complex, and a lot of I'll give you an example from one time I was called from. The, uh, I think of a Storyhouse Productions, I don't remember off the top of my head, but the people that used to do Psychic Detectives on TV, mm-hmm. they called me out of the blue one day and they said, uh, have you ever worked with law enforcement? Well, I had and uh, had done some things. And they said, uh, "Do you? but do you have anything recent that we could go on TV with and, and do a program with? And I said, no, I don't. They said, well, would you... If we could contact some law enforcement people that would be willing to work with you and we could film this, would you be willing to do that? And I said, Absolutely. So we got to talking, and I got to talking about the show, Psychic Detectives, that they had done. I said, Look, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I have watched Psychic Detectives, and I said, You have had psychics on there that have been incredible, remarkable, super accurate. I said, Why aren't the police departments? using these? Why are you calling me? Why would you do something else? They said, well, they said, for one thing, the, uh, the police departments get these psychic detectives in there, and even if they're accurate and they come up with all these things and they solve something, the police departments look at it as, this is an intrusion on our capabilities. Uh, we should have solved this, we should have done this, and we didn't, and so it's an ego thing. Mm-hmm. And they think, well, you know, gosh, this this psyche comes up and does this, and we did all this police work, and we couldn't solve it, and they did. That makes us look bad, so they don't want anything to do with
0: it. And before anybody discounts that, this is, you know, if you watch any crime documentary about, uh, you know, particularly when you've got like serial killers that are that are cross-jurisdictional killers and they kill in different right. jurisdictions. Right. Even between police departments, they have this ego issue where they don't want to work with each other because
1: oh, absolutely. One, one,
0: absolutely. One department wants to solve it and before another yeah. department does, so they won't share information. So this is a exactly. very very real phenomenon in detective
1: work. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's look look go back to 911. And look at the reluctance to share information between our intelligence agencies there, and that's well documented. That's right. And so, so this is one of the things that that uh, you know we came up against. And I was like, well, you know, geez, I said, look, there's there's a lot of great psychics here that have literally solved things and seen things and done things. And I said, yeah, but the police departments, you know, feel like that, um, you know, it, it, it makes them look bad. So that's the thing that we encounter with. The medical community, the uh, the the intelligence community, with everything else, is that okay? There's something outside of my training and my expertise and my ability that can do this, but it makes me look bad in the process, right. so I don't I don't want to deal with it. Or it's outside of my belief system. For example, one of the documentaries I saw about uh, you know remote viewing, all these other types of things. They said there were people in Congress that were devout Christians that said, "Oh well, this is this is evil. This is satanic. Satanic. This is demonic of the devil. We we don't do that stuff, you know." And so you have all these things to deal with. It's like however you were raised, if you were raised Christian, if you were raised uh, Buddhist, if you were raised, you know, whatever. That's the the colored glasses. That you wear, that you view the world through. That's right. And and it takes a lot to get past that and get to the point that you can say, "Hey, look, this this works. Why don't we try this?" Well, it's not Christian. Well, it's not Buddhist. Well, it's not Scientologist. Well, it's not this. Well, it's not that. I had uh, one time I had a uh, a uh, pagan radio show invite me onto their show, and they wanted to know was I pagan. And I said, well, there's a lot of things that that I believe in that are are paganistic, uh, and so on and so forth. And in spite of the fact that I'd have have well over a hundred, or a thousand, over a thousand literal, physical, paranormal manifestations, their concern was not, oh, wow, this guy has literally experienced this, and there's evidence for it. There's recordings, there's photographs, there's video. That wasn't enough. It was like, yeah, but are you pagan? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, not paganistic, but are you literally pagan? I was like, well, no, I'm I don't. I'm not literally a pagan. I don't subscribe to the pagan religion. Well, okay, then we can't have you on, in spite of the fact that you know all this stuff, that you've had all this stuff, that you have all these client testimonials, that you have video, that you have audio, that you have recordings, that you have... Yeah you're not pagan <laughs> oh, man! <laughs> yeah we go through all this idiotic nonsense and so that's the thing with well, the medical community the the intelligence community the government everything else is that we have these preconceived things that we deal with that we go through and if something falls outside of that we're not going to accept it
0: john the the bad news is we we have to go uh the good news is you. Our list is still long, so that means you're going to have to come back, and it won't, I will. and we're not going to be able to wait too long to do it. So
1: <laughs> I will. I will. I'll, I'll get a hold of Eddie. We'll get back real quick, and we'll we'll continue the discussion. It's always great, my friend. That's perfect.
0: Before you go, let people know where they can find your book.
1: Yes, uh, they can find my book at writingwithghosts.net or a knockintheattic.net for my second book. That's and right. And if they want information on me and my psychic readings, go to johnrussell.net.
0: Perfect, John. Again, pleasure having you on. We're going to be doing it again real soon. Take care of my... Oh, yes. one more question I have to ask yeah, you. Because sure, I don't sure. think I've asked this yet. Uh, okay. And, uh, what kind of bike do you ride? Do you still have a bike?
1: I do still have a bike. It's a Honda VTX 1300C, uh-huh. and I've got almost 114,000 miles on it. Wow. Rider. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I've been riding since I was 15. I've always put a ton of miles on all of my bikes, and a uh, serious biker, serious rider, and, yeah, I do still have the bike, so we, we do still truck on when we can, yes.
0: <laughs> I'm, I I had a bike when I was 20, had it for about a year, got rid of it, and now I a couple of years ago I just picked up a Harley. I have a Street Glide. And, ah, uh, great. Yeah, I've been riding. I mean, I don't, I don't get to ride a lot. I'm living, as you yeah. probably know, in upstate New York, the, the season's right. pretty short, uh, and, yep, then, and then, yep. even during the season, you know, it looks gorgeous one day, and an hour later it starts to rain, and you just have to. Right. It's very difficult. Right. But uh, but I'm starting to get, get into it myself and enjoying it for good sure.
1: Good on you. Good on you. Get out when you can, man. That's, yeah. that's a living.
0: Yeah. Again, John, thanks for being here. Uh, look forward to doing it again real soon.
1: Absolutely. Me too. I'll contact Eddie. We'll get back to it soon.